hey man if, if you want to you know if, if you love anxiety and travel do it, it do it you, you know what Perfect. i mean but it, yeah exactly <laughs> but if you if you don't like money this is your spot this is your exactly. spot yeah yeah, yeah so <laughs> Hey, so we got Kevin Connors from Haro Bikes, who I've known for 142 years. That's real math. He has an amazing journey in, in, in bicycle. I'm going to call it bicycles now because you do more than just the 20 wheel stuff, 20 inch wheel stuff now that I really find interesting because uh, I think it's a path that that's not conventional, I, I would sort of say. And, and you've sort of really kind of busted your ass to get into these little areas of the industry for better or for worse, right? We can talk about that later. But um, yeah, but 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 Kevin's got an amazing story, and um, Justin was was pretty stoked to to hear about it as well. So, uh, Mr. Justin Wall, who's the editor of All Things Pull, and essentially uh, the boss of all this, who could technically be my son because he's that much younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> what up, Justin? Yo, I just want to say we've never done an intro like that, Kevin. That was very that was weird. Tony's never introed any of these podcasts like that. So you feel that's a good thing though. That's, Tony's got yeah, to exactly. be heard. <laughs> well, Kevin, I think the, the biggest thing that we want to talk to you um, about today is kind of your journey through it all. Um, yeah. You know, I know you post, it's weird. This is a time frame, but post pandemic, I know Kevin Connors, but what, who yeah. was Kevin before that, you know, before that. how'd you get into yeah. it? And um, where was your kind of, intro to bmx and that that passion for it yeah my uh my original intro to bmx was seeing a neighbor four doors up had a now i think it's probably was only a three-foot quarter pipe but at the time it seemed like an eight-foot quarter pipe in their driveway and long story short he got a new bike and gave me his old hutch wind styler because hutch is from baltimore same area as i'm from so kind of started out on that and then basically what happened was my mom left the garage door open on my 11th birthday. That bike got stolen. I forced her to go buy me a new bike right away. And I believe it was a GT Mach 1 probably, I think. And then at the same time, you know, there was flyers at the shop for racetracks. So I started racing at a track in Columbia, Maryland, uh, which was Brian Foster's, both the Foster brothers' home track. So I had a lot of influences growing up in the right areas. I raced a lot in Pennsylvania some down in Virginia. And then, uh, you know, long story short, I basically, when I was 14, I somehow convinced my school to let me out on work release. And I was taking a bus into the city to work at a bike shop that now has been shut down, but it's called Light Street Cycles. So I worked there for four years. And then after that, my dad basically said, well, at the time I was working there doing bicycle messengering, and I was about to, uh, graduate i was still riding bmx at that point i was riding a lot of skate parks a lot of your road fools one it came out so i realized you could do feeble grinds so my challenger frame went to being a race bike to having bent dropouts on it and bent axles um so anyway my parents were moving to las vegas and basically my dad said you either come or you stay and you're on your own it's up to you like you know do you want to live with us and be taken care of or you know whatnot so Knowing that the bicycle industry was closer to Vegas than Baltimore, and I, I'm 18, I have nothing to lose. I took the ride out there, and luckily, the same time I moved to Vegas was the exact same time 
all the skate parks had just started being built. Like literally six months later, there was three cement parks there. Uh, guys like Ryan Mills, all that, that whole scene, like I grew up with all of those guys. So the older generation would have been the Eric Dishalls and the pack crew and all the madness. And then right below was all of us coming up with the new skate parks and a bunch of ditches and street riding. So I ran a chain of stores there for quite some time. And then I actually got pulled away from the stores by a sales rep at Haro at the time, uh, was offering me a job. So I moved down to California and worked for felt actually for three months. And then Haro made the official offer. So that way they didn't have to pay for me to move. And I started working in sales at Haro, probably, I don't know, I was probably 21 to 23 at that point. Um, and a total pain in the ass, I definitely probably gave Tony D a heart attack. And then probably the reason that he eats so much candy and stress eats. But um, I was in sales here for a little bit. Um, luckily, while I was in sales here, Pete Demos, who's still here, uh, was doing photography. And Tony had just, you had just came back on in-house as brand manager and team manager. So against, at the time, Tony's wishes, me and Pete had already planned a premium trip that to this day, we still call the glory trip. And thanks for your credit card, Tony. It definitely was a glory trip. Yeah. Um, and that, <laughs> out of that trip, that was actually the first time, I believe it was Carl, Kyle Carlson's first paycheck. Um, we basically bought him a camera on the drive home. We decided to pay for a second camera and decided we were going to make a video, whether Haro liked it or not. Uh, Tony definitely didn't like it at all, but long story short, it won Josh Harrington and Nora cup and kind of, I feel like at the time uplifted premium, despite it's uh, absurd budget. And then, uh, so I was at Haro for a little bit and I believe at the time it just got to the point I was doing a lot of sales and I wanted to be basically bugging Tony D and Pete Demos every day. And it wasn't, it wasn't an option. You know, there wasn't a seat next to Tony open at the time. So I uh, had an offer to move back East to New Jersey to run and do all the marketing for staff BMX. So, you know, for better or worse, I decided to leave Harlow at the time and take on that challenge, which ended up being amazing. And really at the time, I think I needed to go back East. I needed to be back where I was from a little bit. And I met a lot of new, amazing friends, you know, at that time, Scotty Kramer was really, I, I don't think he's ever peaked as a human, but as a rider, he was certainly at his peak. Uh, Garrett was still a little 14 year old, 15 year old punk kid. He had been on premium for maybe a year or two then, because I know Tony put him on as I was leaving. Um, and at the same time, we actually had a lot of, still had a lot of connection to Haro because a lot of the premium team rode for staff as well. JJ was on premium, Ty was on premium. Um, I forced Tony D to pick up Sean Riccani so he could have another heart attack and pain that to deal with. Um, so basically I hung out with all those dudes and then just really, I, I mean, I hate to say this cause I'm here now, but really the premium event, the premium premium made a frame called the gutter shark. They sent the sample to Garrett's house. As I showed up, he had just won X games and I showed up with a case of beer, because what else do you buy a 15-year-old who wins the X Games but a case of beer? And he shows me, he's like, I don't know, dude. I don't think I can ride for this company anymore. Look at what they sent me as a sample possible frame. And I just looked at him. I'm like, well, what are you going to do? And he's like, oh, eventually I'm going to start my own brand. 
So I'm like, huh, that's interesting. Left it at that. He rode for premium, I think, for four more years. No, you know, and had a great stay at premium. And then uh, the day came one night where he's like, look, my contract's up. I want to sit down and talk to you. I need to know how much it is to start a brand. And if you would be it, you and Bob Pratt would be interested in doing this with me. Um, at the time, there was some other names who I have to leave unmentioned, other huge pro riders who ride for other companies right now or maybe don't ride anymore. Um, so it was going to be a little bit bigger than it was from the get-go. But I think fortunately, it was scaled down to just Garrett, Ty, JJ, we're kind of the start of the whole thing. So, you know, we had this uh, big official meeting on Garrett's couch as we're drinking beers and we figured Fiend out and, you know, he sat there and he's like, this is the name. And I'm like, well, shit. okay, explain this to me. And once he said it, you know, he said, he's like, everyone fiends for something, you know, he's like, I literally fiend to ride my bike every day. That's what I want to do. And I'm like, cool. That's the name. It works. Um, so yeah, so that was kind of the start of Fiend, and that was an interesting journey because at that point, it was I was never an owner. I was always just an employee. I always wish I had some money to put on the table and be an owner, but that wasn't uh, in my deck of cards at the time. So at that point, I took a job. I was still running staff, and we slowly dissolved it and sold off uh, our inventory and everything like that. The other owner, the owner of staff, Bob Pratt, is still part owner of Fiend BMX with Garrett. I took a role at that point through all the years at Haro to backtrack real briefly, Pete Demos. I was always into photography. Pete Demos literally just started handing me his camera bag, like, and taking on trips to the point where one day Tony was like, dude, you can't, you're eventually going to have to buy your own shit. You can't just keep stealing his <laughs> camera. So I went out and bought my own stuff. So anyway, I had already been shooting with Garrett and all those guys through staff and started doing design work. So at Fiend, my role was uh, product everything. design along with the team. <laughs> What's that? I was going to say everything. Everything, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So Bob Pratt really solved the logistics, and I basically was the writer's bitch. You know, not to, not, to be, not to put it rudely, but when you're dealing with that caliper of writer, and I always commend Garrett for this, it's like, don't have me, don't have, not have a tube for me. Don't not have handlebars for me. Like, I'm not going to wait. Like, I need to ride my bike. That's my job and it's important. So, you know, I was doing anything from helping design product with the riders, picking colors, uh, spec for bikes, uh, working side by side with Tony Ennis, their filmer for catalog layouts, uh, ads, photography, the whole nine yards. I mean, as it grew, luckily, uh, Garrett took on some more roles. Tony Ennis stepped up and took on uh, some help with design work and stuff like that. Uh, so I did that. I was at Fiend for damn near exactly 10 years. And I have to say, it's still, it was the hardest call of my life when John Bulgens called and said, a mutual friend I offered your, this job to said I needed to call you. And I was in a position where it wasn't that I didn't love Fiend. Like, I still love Fiend. I wish, I hope Fiend's Haro's biggest competitor one day. I hope, you know, I want all of those guys to do amazing. That's not just family, it's blood. To this day, I would get in my car right now and drive to help any of those guys. But long story short, John Bulgens offered me a job and it was right at the start of COVID. And I remember sitting there thinking like, I was getting some news out of Shanghai from my good friend, Kane, who's a, a big, you know, fairly big name in China BMX and does a whole lot for BMX there in China. 
about COVID and I was just kind of realizing this shit's going to hit the fan. This isn't a conspiracy. There's no way around this. This is going to affect us. I'm not financially secure. I've got credit cards from years of living an amazing life. Like I had money, you know, a credit card, you know, all sorts of stuff to handle personally. And, uh, I just saw it as an opportunity. And at the time, you know, I sat down and came here and visited and it seemed like the job I always wanted to be, to have at Haro previously. So it was like, I was coming back on a new challenge and to do what I wanted to do before, you know, almost to see through unfinished business, you know, to see premium as a premium. I personally saw it to drive it in the direction I wanted to drive it with the crew team here, things like that. So I went ahead and took that job and made the reluctant phone call to Garrett, who luckily uh, Garrett's a great human. You know, he's one of my closest friends and he still will be to this day. And he just said, look, man, it's a good opportunity. You got to take it. And even when I left Taro, that's what they said at staff. Joe Hawk told me at the time, I don't have the job you need right now. You deserve to be challenged and grow in life. You should take it. And what I've learned from the past, when somebody's willing to support you like that, you listen to them and you take that support. So long story short, now I'm back at Haro and uh, it feels great. You know, we've done a lot of things to rebuild premium, to bring uh, Haro's complete bikes and as well far as product line back into the current, uh, working a whole lot coincided with the team and with Joey Cobbs, who's our team manager and in-house photographer. And luckily enough, Joey does our video work too. So when there's team trips, I still get to get out and shoot photos and I still shoot. I mean, I haven't shot with Garrett for quite some time now, but I still shoot with all those guys and I still, you know, am active and allowed to shoot with anybody. So it's still, you know, I think overall it was a, a great decision. And now I've kind of find myself in a role where as COVID's evolved things, you start realizing you know, you always want to be challenged in life. You never want to be compliant. It's the same as riding a bike. You're not going to just do, well, I'm going to do X ups the rest of my life, but you generally <laughs> don't want to hit the same exact hip the same way you do it your whole life. You always want to push yourself and try harder and do more. So some things opened up here where I was able to do some further product management. So now I'm handling more of, well, I guess what I would call them is more of the cool mountain bikes, the bigger hit, the dirt jump mountain bikes, which has been super fun because now, you know, I've always ridden mountain bikes. I've never hated on them. I was a messenger in Baltimore. I've always owned a gravel or road bike. So it really fit me. And it was nice because it's, like I said, it's a completely new challenge. And, uh, you know, it's a welcome one. I am still overseeing uh, all the product for BMX. So that role still does exactly exist. So, yeah, overall, it's been a good one, you know, a long journey, but it worked out. <laughs> you know, which has been crazy. That's rad. You know, in, in that whole thing, I picked up on, on two, two things. Number one is Kevin Rice BMX had I no did. idea, had no idea. So you've got yep. roots. So, well, yep. okay. Learn, learn, learn that about you. Number two, number two is you're a liar in regards to the premium thing and how much that stressed me out because you were grassly <laughs> underestimated Dude, this is this is a true story, and this is why he. It's definitely me. a true story. Yeah. So the budget was two thousand dollars. I'm not even joking, and I think I still remember the budget. Just the budget was two thousand dollars for this I trip. I think that's what we paid Kyle. I, to my point, yeah. right? So the budget was like two grand, and it was supposed to be a fun little like 
condensed trip and just to create something to get it out. And you have to remember, dude, at this point, the and, and he's a good friend of mine, which is really kind of kind of weird, but Joe Hawk, I felt used to come down on me um in a pretty hard way. Yeah. And yeah, Joe he was the president. Joe That's was the president right. of the company. And 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 we just always butted heads. So we would kind of give each other the stuff we didn't deserve, right? And it was definitely 50-50. I'm no angel in this. But <laughs> knowing what was coming to me when these guys were coming back with, you know, a, a budget. So, and they were so nonchalant on the road, right? They're like, ah, no, we're good. Don't worry about click, you know? And I'm just like, dude, you don't understand. I'm going to get yelled at about this. <laughs> and I think the budget, I think they, they I, I, I'm not 100% sure. I don't know what those numbers are. But I think it was pretty close to like eight, ten thousand dollars that they spent on a two thousand dollar budget, right? On it now, yeah. it was yeah. easily that. In yeah. all fairness, it easily was. Looking back it now, it hey, it needed to Dude. happen. I still blame Josh Harrington for that. He heard the word video and he's like, oh, "I'm gonna go in and film a real video part." Then, well, and and what came out of it was amazing. I I agree with you, but what you don't understand is the years taken off my life from the. <laughs> conversations i had with joe hawk joe and i are really good friends now it's it's the most it's the oddest thing and i and i love it and i love him and i think it's a great thing but it's weird how people evolve huh yeah like you know so there's another kind of a funny story so he so kevin was in sales and like he was saying he was trying to work his way into the uh what would that be east wing of the building yeah for people that don't know joe hawk wasn't he was had just transferred into being the CEO or whatever his, his uh, official title was, but his office was still in sales. And at Haro, all the office windows are four feet tall. I used to crawl under all the windows to come give Tony D. <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> so it was, it was great. But I remember one time I'm like, he, he, he was kidding. And dude, I'm overwhelmed because I'm the same idiotic human being. And he said, uh, hey, I want to do this with a team. And But this is how much Kevin has grown, by the way. So this is not talking. This is just I did, me, I'll take me, it. It's me, me proving how much Kevin has grown. I said, Kevin, dude, if you can do me a favor and put this into a spreadsheet just so I can look and add it up at the bottom, that would be rad. And he literally got on Excel and like typed a paragraph straight across the whole, <laughs> the whole top row. And and. I mean, I wasn't specific. I said, if you could put this into a spreadsheet. It was in there. And it was in there, but it was straight all the way across. I'm like, okay. We're not I remember anyway. it because you 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 called me over and you showed me how Colin McKay, I still remember this day. You're like, do you see how Colin submits his, his stuff? This is how this has to be submitted. If you do it like this, there's no problems. And I'm just looking at it like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just trying to ride a BMX bike and take some photos. Char- Charlie Brown. Well, how involved are you? Um, and we'll go back to everything else. I mean, yeah. again, that's that's, a, that's such a rad story. And I love that. And I love I learned that you did some race stuff. How not trying to turn this into a race deal, but how involved are you with like race product and, and things like race that? Are you product? Yeah, product I'm fully involved in. Um, as far as the team goes, Joey oversees all the team. And then currently I talk to, you know, majority of the time I'm talking to Nick Long or, you know, anybody like that else on the race scene. As far as any of our riders, Cam, Nick, any of them have input, we'll start working on things. I mean, right now, as far as Haro is concerned, um, our race bike geometry when I started was fine, but 
all the other bikes were so far behind in geometry and stuff like that. I had to tackle the other bikes first. So as far as race goes, we're kind of just now rebuilding everything. There's a lot of PNA that's going to be coming out in the next six months. We're going to do new carbon, new alloy frames. There's a lot of stuff in the pipeline, but it's still in the pipeline, you know, yeah. it exists yeah. on paper. I don't have a, you know, still, right. still months out. Yeah, that's a lot of things people don't understand the time it takes from absolutely Ke Kevin Kevin thinking of a like so just like go through the process of a frame for example like, yeah. not even a carbon frame because that's probably forever but like that's, an alloy frame if 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 you if you you drew it on a piece of paper to having a sample in your hand yeah. what like what is the process and how much time does that take for people to even understand it yeah so generally I mean. If there's, if there's nobody in my way and the rider's already kind of given me their input and I know general, you know, generally what the geometry is and the tubing is going to be, generally it, on a BMX frame, takes about a, you know, with everything else going on, a couple weeks for me to draw it in CAD. Um, you know, I generally, what I do, I'm no CAD professional or anything like that. I'll draw a two-scale drawing, export it to CAD, and then fine-tune it. And then fortunately here at Haro, and a lot of places will use uh, whatever vendor's making their frame, they'll use them to do their CAD work or to finalize the drawing. We have designers here. Um, we have a small office in Haro, Taiwan that specializes in basically 3D, our 3D solid works drawing, stuff like that. So after a week to two weeks, I'll send a drawing off to them takes them a week to two weeks because they've got other stuff going on. Then you generally wait, you know, so you're already at four weeks just to get the frame designed and you haven't seen any approval or any mold fees or anything like that from the vendor. So we send it off to the vendor. Then you start seeing the big bills of the mold fees roll in because, you know, you can do it one or two ways. You can pick a tube from a catalog. Sometimes that's fine on a high-end race bike, on a frame, any frame or any product I would ever sell aftermarket, I'll always use whatever tube shape I want to use. I'm going to draw it. I'm going to de determine where the budding needs to happen the whole nine yards. Um, so then you're adding in, you're at one month, generally within a week to two weeks, the factory will turn around with all the quotes for the molds, how long they're going to take. General tubing molds are generally 90 to 120 days right now. Um, there was a point at COVID where those molds were a year. Now they're kind of back to normal, which is 90 to 120 days. So say you're at two months, then you're opening molds. You add your three months onto that at best. Now you're at five to six months, then it's going to take them another three months to make it. So really, if you're running like a tight ship and a tight timeline and you're on everything, I always tell everyone nine months minimum really do a year it's nine months to a year from when i start drawing down on a piece of paper you're essentially looking at a year and then you got to have a rider test it you know it's and this is the one right. thing that you know working for garrett taught me a lot he he taught me a lot of things by his own craziness you know you watch garrett's riding well why is garrett garrett i've literally watched garrett pull a trick in the first 10 minutes of being at a spot but take seven hours to get it to the clip that's going on that anybody's going to see all because, you know, he didn't ice the bar and caught the end of the bar or something that just, he didn't love about the way it felt. Um, 
So at Fiend, there was always, if it's not right, then we're not putting it out. Throw it away, lose the money, whatever you have to do. The public should never know about this. I mean, I remember, you know, to show you how precise he is and what he instilled in me. There's one, his mer transparent Merlot-colored signature frame was seven paint samples on frames. None of those frames got written. None of them. I, I rode one of them. So, you know, that's that really... I try to bring that on to Haro where I'm like, if it's not right, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. You know, now, obviously you have to, you know, if it's 99.9% .9 right, you got to call it and move ahead. So then you, you know, with your frame, you're at nine months to a year to sample time. Now you got to test that thing. You know, the bike industry uses ISO testing, which does offer a standard, but that's a machine. You're not going to tell me that machine can replicate jumping a six foot hip and then pumping a bowl corner. There's no way it can't replicate jumping down an eight stair. It's not, it's not possible. So as far as a race bike concerns, I would say we generally will test the new frames. I'll test them for six months and there has to be absolutely no flaws and it has to pass on a machine as well. So really you're talking that you're at 18 months before you even place an order for that bike that frame and then you know you're going to add on another 90 days to 120 days for production so you're really yeah. two years from the start of me writing something down until it comes out you're kind of at two years things can be moved faster you know say i take an existing frame and i'm like everything's perfect about this but nick long hates this down tube it's ugly as well obviously if all you're changing is a down tube as long as you keep the same thicknesses you can test much faster much faster and push ahead but yeah in general i would say it's two years on something like a frame you know a sprocket you know you can hammer a sprocket out or a stem out in six months because it's cnc it can go faster right so long story short justin you're not getting a signature frame anytime soon no it's all right i'll i'll steal kate's it's fine we're doing new <laughs> ones at horror though i can get you one of those <laughs> <laughs> And if me and Nick yeah, have our way, we might do a steel frame one of these days. Ooh. Absolutely. No, he's been rocking the chromoly, just putting Haro stickers on it. So we got to get a Nick Long signature. <laughs> and that was one thing he mentioned was, what about doing that? I'm like, yeah, we can do that. I don't, I don't think we're going to sell a <laughs> ton, but we can do it because I want to do it. So, you know, sometimes right. products, yeah. as long as you break even, they're a good thing. With your history with different bike brands and um, yeah. being in that role, are there any products that you like, man, I wish I wish I actually did it or any frame geometries or, you know, special things that you thought of that you never got a chance to test out. Yeah. There's still some stuff that I have drawings for. Um, now there's no reason for it. Um, the guys at free night already did a planetary coaster, which is spot on, but I have drawings for something that's been 3d printed and it works flawlessly. It's not a better design than theirs, so it'll never come to market. But you run into things like that where it's like, that was something I did at Fiend, and it's like, you can't, it was actually right towards the end of Fiend, but it's like, who can, you can't afford the mold fee to make all these finite parts. It's not yeah. justifiable, you know, like if it would be in other industries, but it wasn't, it wasn't justifiable for Fiend. It wouldn't be justifiable for any company to do it. You would have to do it as, Hey, Kevin made this. I'm going to license it to you. Similar. I mean, that's how a pivotal seat works. You know, they have right. the design and patent. We pay a percentage to them, you know, so there's things like that. Um, 
you know, there's definitely a few little ones. I would say some hub ideas. Um, there's still some crank ideas that I have uh, that I'd like to see come into fruition that I think will in the future here at Haro. So, yeah, I mean, there's always projects left on the table. There's photo projects that, I mean, I have half a book done, you know, entitled All My Crazy Friends that literally are, they're lifestyle photos that of the last 10 years of shooting with everybody that I want everybody to see, but it's like, how do I to even pick it back up right now to finish seems very daunting, you know? So there's projects both art wise and, and product wise that, uh, you know, hopefully sooner than later, we'll see the light of day. <laughs> that, that book sounds like blackmail to me. Yeah, it could be for certain people, you know, I mean, <laughs> got to get a lot of approval notice on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, like yeah exactly like there's a photo in there involving the first ever sample fiend handlebars that came in crooked from solid and what they ended up being used for and i'm like i don't know if this one can ever reach the public <laughs> but hey for the people yeah. there it's one of those photos where i'm like this is the worst photo but the best photo <laughs> yeah well just just remember the one thing that's always kept me alive for better or for worse in this industry is in your head you never know who your next boss is right like you exactly. kept that, you kept that great relationship with Joe Hawk and yep. you left on great terms and you came back on great terms. Um, something that I regret, I didn't get to do right. That, that you know, that's a regret yeah. of mine. I, I would have loved to come back to Haro at some point in my, not now, you know what I mean? I, I'm too old and grumpy, but you know, I'm just saying like, <laughs> yeah, it, like you know, and so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so going to these photos, it's like, dude, you never know who your next boss is. Exactly. Um, yeah, so you you tell such a great sort story, and and it really you really made it sound kind of like a Prince Charming story, and there was no yeah, it sounds romantic. Way. Yeah, exactly. But you know, but and and I thank you for leaving out the the gory parts for our, yeah. our you know maybe our young minded and young and you know young eared listeners. But um, if someone wanted to like mm-hmm. maybe not necessarily follow your path, but let's just say they're like they're listening to this going dude, I, I like that. And I like that. And I would love to do like, how would you in, in today's world, which is different from my 181 year old world, what, how would you even start that? You, for one thing, this is an industry of passion, period. You, you have to be passionate and you have to be diversified. There's no, and you have to be aware. I mean, you know, Tony, you, you were in the heyday, you were managing Mira and Nyquist, but I'm sure there was times where you were waiting for Friday to take your wife out to dinner. So you have to be aware that it's your payback's not going to be in the form of money. It's not, you're, you can't do this, any job in the bicycle industry, especially the BMX industry, you can't do it just purely for money and you have to be diversified. Like the one thing I learned quickly was, you know, in sales, I could have just stayed in sales at Haro and everything would have been fine. It would have been still a great life and a good job. But, you know, picking up a camera, I was already, I already shot photos, but really indulging in that. And then saying, well, I've got these photos. Um, I have a little bit of art background from some classes in Baltimore. Let me learn graphic design. And you always want to find people that you can learn off of and riders that you can work with. Um, You know, one thing I was always taught right away was uh, uh, one of the riders here locally, John PC to Carlsbad, who Tony, he probably completely gave you heart attacks back in the day too with his antics. But 
you know, yes. I started shooting with him and then somebody said, you know, hey, PC is awesome. You need to keep shooting with him. He's giving you an opportunity. Use that opportunity. Like if he wants to shoot a photo, shoot a photo. You're going to keep learning off of him. And then you can't be scared of people telling you your work is horrible. Like you have to be your own worst critic and you really have to, you know, I have photos of Garrett that won't see the light of day because I had a flash a little too close and I just have a standard that I feel like needs to be seen, you know, and those photos, you know, they'll still never delete them, but they won't see the light of day. So basically what you need to do is be diverse, take every single opportunity you can. Don't do your best. If you're going to cross somebody or curse their name, make sure they're cursing your name too. You don't want to, it's too small of an industry to say, screw this guy. I'll never work with him again. This, that, everything. Cause people change. I'm sure there was a time where me and Tony would have loved to punch each other, but now me and Tony could work together and could probably make a company good money doing so, <laughs> you know? So you always want to stay friends with everybody and remember the people that helped you and be willing to help them. You know, that's one thing um, Robbie Morales really, really taught me at an early age from being from the East Coast to Vegas. You know, I was in a bad accident on my bike in Vegas and he called the hospital. I'm like, this isn't Robbo. Like, you didn't just call me on my cell phone in the hospital. And I hung up and now we laugh about it because I'm like, to this day, I would help Robbie as a friend do anything just because of that phone call, just because he was always there for, you know, so you always want to be, you want to open doors. You don't want to close doors. So you always want to be as nice as you can and respectful to people, but you also want to hold yourself to extremely high standards. You need to let people see your best work. If it's not, if it's not done, hold it close to you until it's done because it's worth somebody not seeing if it's not, if it's not done, you know, I think that, but like I said, the largest thing is don't do it for money. The money you will, I have a wife now and a kid and they both eat food. So it will <laughs> show up at the end, but I've been doing this for, I was started, I'm 40 now. I started in a shop when I was 14. That's 26 years if my math is right. And, you know, you, you really have to push through all those hard times. You know, there's going to be times, no matter what anybody does, where you're on the floor. Like the amount of road trips that I went on where, you know, I rode 40 miles with a hundred pound camera bag on all day long to go sleep on a hardwood floor with a Walmart pillow and sleeping bag. Those nights are endless, but you know what isn't endless? The feeling you get when you shoot that photo or you're with your friends at a spot, you see somebody pull a trick that seems inevitable, you know, all those things help grind you into who you are and they're, they're all worth it but you've got to be willing to definitely do any means possible for the job and for the riders. That's the other thing too. So many people try to put the company first, this that, and the other thing. But at the end of the day, if Dennis Anderson tells me his head tube angles wrong, don't make the frame. I'm not making the frame because the riders need to dictate where it's going. They're the ones in the street. They're the ones on the deck. They're the ones on the starting gate. They always know better than the product guys sitting in this office. I ride a bike every day, but I don't ride how Nick Longworth rides. I don't ride how Dennis rides, you know? So what I can do is sit back and offer a, pers a different perspective where I can watch Chad do a nose to bar and be like, dude, you're kind of twitchy. Maybe you need a mellower head tube angle now, you know, so you're not so twitchy in your nose manual. But at the same time, you have to, you know, really, like I said, listen to the riders, 
and also stay respectful as you can be to other people because there's always going to be somebody that you want to be rude to or you want to tell them to go screw off. I've done it before. It's not a good feeling the next day. <laughs> it's yeah. only good for about five, 10 minutes. And then you realize I was really just rude to that person for no reason. So, yeah, I mean, just like I said, you got to be passionate, diversify, listen to the riders and grind it out. You know, don't do it for money. Don't do don't it for do money. It for money. <laughs> no, yeah, man, not at all. <laughs> Justin, you know? Justin and I are each other's sort of therapy sometimes on the on those crazy weekends and i'll yep. just like text him i'm like this is this is a work weekend man this isn't a fun weekend you know you could be anywhere <laughs> exactly. in the world you, you you know what i mean you're like some of those weekends you're like dude you're you're with the raddest people or you could be at the raddest place and you're like this is work right now it legitimately is work yeah and i'm not having fun i wish i was at home in bed watching you know yep. whatever we watch right and that's so you know and that's one thing anybody that wants to do photography out there, just know, trust me, it is absolutely amazing and the best feeling ever. I've been super fortunate. I've gotten to shoot with the best street riders in the world. I've gotten to shoot countless tricks that had never been done before and at countless spots that people will never see. But it's real work. Like you don't just, you know, when you go out, like when I would go out to Fiend Dudes, it's not just oh, drive to LA, Garrett's going to switch whip Hollywood high. No, 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 no. That took right. five trips, and those days were 10-hour long days going to different spots, filming different stuff. And at the end of the day, you get home and you're, you're tired. You know, it's, it's, it's not easy work. So you got to be willing. If you want to see that stuff happen and you want it to go down, for one, you got to be at the same level as the rider. You don't ever want to fool them and go buy a $200 camera and just hit a button and say you're a pro because that rider's you're counting on that rider and they're counting on you. You're, you're creating something together, you know, but you have to be willing, especially as a photographer to put your own money out there, your own time out there and cross your fingers that it'll come back. And it, it will come back in the feeling and the sensation. It just won't come back in the money. It I mean, it can at times, every once in a while, you'll buy yourself a steak dinner, but in between those steak dinners is a lot of hard work. Absolutely. A lot of top ramen. Yeah, right. And I quit <laughs> racing when I hit Tony. So you know, I stopped racing when I hit sixteen expert. I was still oh. on the first jump, and they were in the last turn. Dude, so it was game those, over. Dude, that that's yeah. Well, now it's like, what age is Ten. it, Justin? Where it's like really, it gets like those guys like, at thirteen. You get twelve. Or, yeah, you hit twelve, thirteen. You're you're either training for all day, every day, or you're just out at the local having fun which both are great options like yeah, yeah see like both are great but if you're on that national scene like it's cutthroat man i always joke and say that uh this is whatever the sanctioning body is at whatever track they should not allow trails within five miles because i went to stars and stripes in pittsburgh and realized how <laughs> close push was and then yeah. i had already met bennett so i'm like well shit i'm not gonna race my mains that i actually made and then my dad's wondering, like, where, where the hell did he go? And meanwhile, I was like, screw racing. I went to push because I knew I wasn't going to place top five. It was going to be eighth at best. <laughs> well, there's yeah. eight. You know, I'm going to get last. So yeah. <laughs> gonna, that was, get, that gonna was get how my, my racing career ended. You know, it was one of those things. I, I love it. Tracks are super fun to ride. But even today, I'm not trying to be the fastest person going up the hill. I'm just trying to have fun. 
So I'd rather jump the curb into the hill 10 times than climb the hill 20 times, you know. Except except when we're on our e-bikes, then That's we're different. the fastest people up the hill. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Justin, Justin, Justin's jealous of that. Justin, oh, I know absolutely. this is getting long. Do, do you want to, uh, do you want to, anything else you want to ask the uh, mysterious man from Haro? Um, no, I don't think so. I, really, I mean, uh, so I built up my wife's Haro Citizen Frame. Um, yeah. I mean, it felt great. Riding on it feels great. Um, it's that was my first carbon build, Haro build ever. So yeah. it, was, it was cool tinkering with that with haro and with um the different specs of the of the bike so props to you i mean i love that love that frame she loves that i frame, did so luckily i didn't do that frame i gotta give somebody else props okay but it is all right geometry <laughs> i could tell you that <laughs> um yeah. that was actually that was derek betcher that did that frame uh, cool. um the new artwork is done by somebody uh his name's mark ward if, you, if you're into artwork at all google mark ward studios he's real good uh, he's amazing. He's done a lot of work for Pepsi, the Olympics, all sorts of stuff. Um, and he's an old BMXer. So he did the artwork on the new ones. Um, the new Haro frames will have similar geometry, but they'll be a lot different than that right. at the same time. Derek did a good job. I think it's a good looking frame, but, uh, you know, Derek's been gone for quite some time now. So I think it's time we uh, freshen it up. That's awesome. Well, dude, thank you so much for your time. We're really, really, really appreciate it. Um, God, I learned so much about. How did I not know a lot of this stuff about? You know why I was? Because I'm a because I was a ass. punk then. That's what it was, and I was a selfish ass too. So obviously, I wasn't <laughs> asking enough questions. You know what they say? God gives us two ears and one mouth for a reason. We need to listen yeah, twice as much. Yeah. Well. So, but I, I blame Justin for everything, so it doesn't matter. Well, either sure. way, let's go. Ride, sure. I'll, I'll get a babysitter next weekend or something, and we'll go ride e-bikes together. No, 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 this weekend you're going to come down to the freestyle. Conference. I am. Hey, that's and, my first question. What time should yes. I come down Sunday in hopes of seeing Pierre ride? I'm sure she's going to be there either way. But if your best guess, what would be the time zone? Well, if you if you looked at the schedule, you'd realize that Sunday is not a day that we do this. So Saturday, Saturday is what I meant. I looked at the schedule. There's no time zone <laughs> on your post on Instagram <laughs> under your where you put all the description. I yeah. need you to start putting your time schedule. There's no time schedule I'll, there. I'll, I'll, I'll do that for you. I'll do that for you, buddy. So, um, fire Kyle I, if I, did that. Any, anywhere from 10 onwards. It's okay. Yeah. I will see you down there. I'm going to come down Saturday, likely. Uh, I might come down Friday. We'll see. Probably probably just Saturday because the, the wife loves to go. So I'll yeah. bring the newborn to a BMX contest, his first one. So good, we'll go down good. there with the baby yeah. and hang out for a couple hours. Well, you're always welcome. So, well, thanks, man, for this. We we honestly appreciate it. Awesome. And you guys keep doing that. Those contests are awesome. That's what, you know, BMX needs more events and more people willing to uh, put in the hard work for a small change to uh, grow it and push it bigger. Well, we'll we'll, we'll tell the owner that. All right. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. You guys are doing the hard work. He's writing the checks. You guys are doing the work. Don't forget that. I I think writing the checks hey, is a lot harder than what we're doing. Tony hasn't slept on a hard floor in a while. He's been in a, a nice bed. I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. I'm okay. I'm too grumpy. I told you. I, I passed my prime, dude. I'm I'm 51 and angry and bald and fat. I'm, I'm, well, I'm not sleeping on hard floors. I'm like, I'm done. I'm, I'm there too now. I demand a bed now. I'm 40. I need a bed. I've slept on enough. <laughs> I'm over it. <laughs> All right, dude. All right, well, guys, thank you so a- much. Thank you, guys. Enjoy. Bye-bye. See you again. Later.